Hey. Hello. Hello. Is this Becky? It is. <laughs> Becky Buller. Yeah, Buller, not Mueller or Buller. <laughs> <laughs> the one and only. The one and only. That's the reason we're calling you. Is we are starting a new uh, form of communication called podcasting. Um, yeah. We're going to do something called the Acoustic Shop Knows People. I want to ask, were you thinking of the Chapmans when you wrote How I Love You? Was that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be one of those kind of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so can we count on you to be the uh, guest of honor? Absolutely. I'm thrilled that y'all would think of me. Talk to you soon, Becky. Bye, guys. Thanks. Take me away. Hi guys. Hey. hey, we are back uh, for another Podcast episode. Number two. Who are you talking to right now? I'm talking to you. I knew why we were back here. <laughs> I said, be here for a podcast, and that's why I'm here. Oh, we're, we're, we're doing it live in a microphone now. My, my personal assistant told me to be here. Um, really? Siri? No, I have a uh, Google. Oh. <laughs> my wife got mad at me. I have a, I don't know, not mad, but she was confused why I had a male voice for my map uh, narrator. On my Google Maps, so wouldn't I had to change it. To wouldn't a, she be more jealous of a female voice? Did. You know what my response would have been? I already have one woman yelling. <laughs> That's absolutely the truth. So oh, anyway, no, mine doesn't even know that we're in a car. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> Whatever Ooh. you do, ouch! All right, there you go. Uh, so that was no. the last episode Jeremy was on. Oh, she won't listen to this. Anyway, we got Becky Buller. Is gonna be Becky Buller today, on right? the podcast. Yes, number two podcast featuring Becky Buller. It doesn't mean that she's second best. It just means she was no. She's just the next one available. One. Yeah. That's that's very that's very. Uh, Thank you for cleaning nice. that up, Jeremy. Yeah, of you. So Becky Buller is we a songwriter her first, but Ellen got in. <laughs> Sorry, Ellen. <laughs> Ellen's just more available. <laughs> she's more free time. <laughs> Becky Buller's songwriter, female vocalist, uh, band leader, fiddle player. She does it all. Plays Everything. banjo, plays banjo, guitar, yes, does true. it all. Um, has written many, many hits. Uh, what, you know, I forgot. Uh, number one was How I Love You. Yeah. Made her, made her what she is. I'm, I hope she brings that up in the podcast, how much money she's made off of that. <laughs> we, uh, I, I was thinking about this when we were talking about doing this episode, and uh, – that was her song that we recorded of hers is the one that had the harshest review of any uh, review we've ever had. It was uh, one of the major uh, major companies that, that sold records uh, told us that, this is my favorite quote I think I ever remembered was, uh, I love Becky Bowler's music, I love this song, but I don't like the way this one turned out. Or something to those, this version uh, yeah, this yeah. version was not up to the standards well, of hers, so... And unfortunately, you haven't got the lyrics right since the recording, so. <laughs> but she is a great songwriter and a fun person all around, so I'm really looking forward to, yeah, to chatting with her and seeing how she's been doing. Yep. Becky Buller. We're back for another episode of The Acoustic Shop Knows People. We know a podcast people. all about the olfactory variance between people. The olfactory, really? Olfactory. Yeah. Olfactory, huh? It's spelled with a K N, guys. Is that what it Knows. is? Knows, Knows people. Anyway, 
one of the people that we do cano, <laughs> and we've known we've canoned her for a long time. <laughs> Becky Buller, uh, she's written songs for us. She's uh, specifically well, for yeah, us. For yeah, us she just sits around us. just writing songs for us. Mm, what that's what the Chapmans I do. <laughs> no, that's not true. No. I wish that was true. Well, but, hey, we 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 did write that one song together, and Becky I thought of y'all the other day. Uh, I was at really? the Bass Pro Pyramid. So those that don't know, Becky is an extremely prolific songwriter as well as a performer, a great singer, a wonderful talent. And yes, we actually did. Uh, we've been hanging out for many years, and we got her together and said, hey, Becky, we need help. We're going to try to pitch a new song, a theme song to Bass Pro Shop. She worked on it. Buy us a bus. Yeah, and it, it went absolutely nowhere. But I love that she said that we wrote it together because it was more of us like sitting in the room going, no. Nope. And she'd come up with all the ideas and just write it I all down, and we just go, "Yeah, there. that's good." I think no. I said Bass Pro Shops. <laughs> yeah, you did that part. We, we came with the Bass Pro Shops. There you line, go. But that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I anyway. was honored. Y'all asked me. Thanks, well, fun. I was glad to have you in. Yeah. Uh, but does write a lot of great songs and having a wonderful career right now. She is just killing it out here in the uh, the acoustic music world. Not just bluegrass. We're we're no longer just going to pin her down to bluegrass. She is an acoustic music artist. Unless oh. you've changed. Have you become a, uh, a electric artist recently? Uh, not that I know of. No. Okay. Um, uh, no, no. I like no, that she has no. to think still, about it. Still hopelessly acoustic. <laughs> have I done any? Uh, hopelessly acoustic. I, I have seen yeah. her plug her. Name. I have seen her plug her violin in, though. Oh, no. <gasps> well, yes. That's, that's the end of that. You go plugging in that I violin. <laughs> just lost half the festivals. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. Anyway. Big no, shout out to Fishman yeah. for that that's lovely right, yeah. pickup. That's <laughs> right. We've seen you at the NAMM show performing a few times uh, at the Fishman yeah. booth, which was very cool. So, yes. uh, so but, Becky, what's new and exciting with you these days? Oh, let's see. I just got back from 10 days. Um, most of that time was in the UK at the Sore Finger Ooh, Summer Schools, that's, which uh, is Britain so much fun. Some of the people that aren't very good <laughs> geographically. Great Britain. <laughs> the United Kingdom. The United, United Kingdom, Kingdom. Great Britain. So we were in Chipping Norton in Oxfordshire, which is about an hour and a half northwest of London. And it also ties for the like the longest name of a town ever right there. Right. I think they have longer ones. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> Wales, they probably have longer place names there. Okay. Um, that I could never even begin to pronounce. But anyway, it's in the beautiful Cotswolds region. Um, lots and lots of old, old architecture there. I got to go to church um, on Palm Sunday in a beautiful Church of England church. I guess you're not supposed to say Anglican unless you're outside of Britain. Um, hmm. But beautiful service. And they had a, they had a sign painted um, uh, high up on the wall, and it said, thanks to so-and-so for donating the new, new roof back in 1770-something. And um, and I heard from the lady sitting in front of me that they were kind of needing a new roof now. I, so. I would I would think so. It's about it's about time I would say. About time. They're at least out of their warranty. Those are like thirty year shingles. Right. <laughs> right. That's my house. I mean, they got to be starting to curl. They're looking for another donor. Anyway, this was my it was my third time teaching at the festival. I had seventeen fiddlers. Most of them were from Britain, but I had uh, one gal from Holland, a guy from Germany an Israeli, and a Costa Rican-American. That's a pretty diverse class right there. Yes. It was Did so they all fun. speak the same violin? 
Everybody spoke fiddle. <laughs> Definitely. Right. And everybody spoke fiddle, uh, English. That's such <laughs> a bad well. joke. It was a bad a joke. Bad I'm joke. Sorry. No, but I did go to the former prime minister's cheese shop. Hmm. Really? Yes. What is at the former prime minister's cheese shop? Well, very expensive cheese. And in <laughs> was a, it in Gouda? A, oh. <laughs> Did it smell good? Or was uh, it smelly cheese? There, it was, there, there was a variety of, of different um, cheeses at, at different odor levels. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, so, so speaking, speaking of stinky, expensive stinky cheese. So we got back from the UK on Saturday and that day we had to play in Wisconsin in, let's see, Monroe, Wisconsin. It's the heart of Greene County and Greene County makes the most cheese per capita, I guess, in the whole world. Really? And they're the last place in the U S that's making Limburger cheese. And did you buy some of that? Please say no, what? please say no, please say no. I didn't no. buy any. No, I didn't buy any. But um, uh, Heather there at the Monroe Arts Center, bless her heart, she brought us some to try. And she said, are you sure about this? Do you really want to try this? And I said, well, yes, I've never had Limburger. And here we are in the only place where it's made in the U.S. anymore. And she's like, okay. So she brought some in from the Ooh. local restaurant. And they wrapped it up, like a big chunk of it, wrapped up with a mint which well, I thought mint. was really strange. Yeah. Well, it's, anyway, it's to cure, it's to cure all, the problem. We all tried it, and I just, it was terrible. It was so bad. <laughs> we couldn't get the smell off of our hands. And uh, and Aubrey, our uh, our sound engineer, she she took it and she disposed of it in one of the bathrooms. <laughs> and we asked her, which bathroom did you put it in? Did you put it in this one? She's like, no, no, no. I, th- I thought we might use this one. So I didn't put it there. And I said, did you put it in the upstairs bathroom? She said, no, 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 no. I think I put it in a staff bathroom. <laughs> she said, I really thought this through. <laughs> yeah, except you are never going to be invited back there again. I think really there has anything to say about it. <laughs> uh, probably not, no. But you are from uh, up in the upper Midwest, originally from yes. Minnesota, correct? Yes. I mean, do you still oh, have yeah. most of your? I was going to say, do you still have most of your accent, or have you really worked hard to get rid of it? She can bring it back. I've seen it. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> tend to pick up the accent wherever I go because I'm just so fascinated by accents. So I was terrible. At I wish I was in, in London with you. <laughs> in the UK, I know and they were very nice about it, and they didn't laugh when I I told them my story about being in the studio with the guys, and and we had this song called "I Dream in Technicolor," and and it, I wanted it to have more of a kind of a rock and roll feel, I would say. Of course, we're still, you know, playing it on bluegrass instruments. And, um, and Mojo, Stephen Mojo, my producer, he said, Becky, this isn't rock and roll. You, you play in a bluegrass band. You, you're not, this, this, this isn't rock and roll. And I said, but in my ad it is. <laughs> and I told my students that, and they didn't laugh or anything. I, that, that, was, that was funny. one of the worst Eliza Doolittles I think I've ever heard right there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I am from Minnesota, and my parents played bluegrass music. That's what got me into it. And I'm trying to think when I met you guys. It was, I don't that remember if, if it was. I remember meeting you and your parents a uh, long, long time ago at the Minnesota, what, what was that big festival they had out Mobotma? there? The Mobotma Festival. Okay. But you were, you had been real young, but we really didn't start hanging out probably for a couple years later. And it was one of Chuck Stearman's festivals. I remember 
I remember really hanging out with you there, jamming. And I believe Hunter Berry was with you. You were hanging out. Beth was okay. there. So that, that would have been, been a Terry Lee's festival. Terry Lee's festival, maybe. That, yeah, that would have been after, either in college or after college. So I was trying yeah. to think if I met you guys while I was still in high school at one of Chuck Stearman's festivals, like Garden City or Mason City, I, Iowa. Probably. Garden City, Minnesota. Mason City, Iowa. Um, I think there was in Ames, Iowa. There was one. Okay. Yep, there was one. Yeah. Did you there guys was one ever, everywhere. I know. Did you guys ever play the festival in Livermore, Iowa? I, that wasn't a Spigma festival. That one, I do not remember that one. It was no. Harvey Mori, and I still have the T-shirt. It's a it's a T-shirt of this big white barn, and it says, "the the Mori Family Bluegrass Festival, the bluegrass show that's held in a barn." And I just think it's hilarious because you know I, I was there as a kid, as a little kid actually, and and now I've played in so many different kinds of barns. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Bluegrass it really like, wasn't that many, special we, then. Is that what you're saying? Really, yes, yes. <laughs> like it was. Anyway, that festival was great until the barn blew away in a tornado. That that, that makes will, it more special. I that guess. would definitely ruin our, that. Our festival. favorite barn. We actually played in an active chicken barn. Chicken oh, coop. Yeah, I like, might have done that one them. in Georgia. Yeah, yeah Georgia. Yes, yes pushed, I've done that they one. They pushed it from one side to the other. They'd push the chickens out a couple week, maybe a week ahead of time. Isn't that disgusting? So it wasn't completely clean. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Where was that again? I was oh, down in Georgia. Uh, I, I can Georgia. see it. I can see it in my head. I just can't think the name of yeah. the place. It was not far outside of Atlanta area. That's yeah. all I remember. Mm-hmm. It was outside of there. And, uh, yeah. I remember you say, well, we put fresh uh, sawdust down, so you should be Oof. all right. Why would you complain? Oof. It's a, that's an allergy waiting to happen right there, friends. There's something. You have never. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And ever, as everybody would kick around all the stuff as you're singing and trying to suck in all that air. Yeah, was, good thing there beautiful. weren't dancers there. That would have been real bad. <laughs> you know, there's certain medications you take that they, they ask, have you visited these states because you grow some kind of bacteria in your lungs? And I'm sure we have some kind of chicken yeah, bacteria sure now. Yeah, it's probably true. Yeah, I, I, I used to say I've, uh, I've played in... You know, fried chicken houses and live chicken houses because of that place. I wish I could think of it. Oh, yeah, man, too. I've played so <laughs> many places. They all but I together. think, yeah, I guess we met uh, maybe after college or, or at IBMA. My first IBMA was in 95. Were you guys there remember, that year? I remember hanging out. Not 95. I think we came there in 98. 98. Okay. Well, then, we went, and I'm sure I was there in, in 97. Um, yeah. 98, because I was in college at that point and had mm-hmm. my big pea green Pontiac Bonneville, and we'd load up all us bluegrass girls in there, including Beth's bass. Yeah. There were four of us in that car with the bass in the inside of the car. The butt end would be in the back window, and the scroll was on the dashboard, and we got all of us in there and all our gear and all our other instruments in the trunk. I miss that car so much. You, <laughs> well, you should go get You miss traveling that way. <laughs> It was cozy. My my <laughs> most more recent memory of Becky though was once big. I can't remember what year it was. A couple of years we we after years after we won the contest, Becky was there playing with a band in a contest, and I didn't realize. I mean, we'd hung out with you and jammed a little bit, but I didn't realize how talented you really were up until that point. And I was like, man, I wonder if she wants a job. <laughs> and then, you, then that, we were, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You you were a great player all the way through, uh, but you just all of a sudden really exploded into this just amazing fiddle player, great singer. Because I don't think you were singing all that much when I first met you. You were playing, did a little bit of singing, but then all of a sudden you were playing everything, and it was great. So uh, 
It was, it was fun. It's, it's been fun to grow up with all these cool musicians and stuff that now are doing great things. And yeah. uh, again, it's continued to explode for you right now. You're, you're doing all kinds of stuff. Female vocalist of the year, uh, fiddle player of the year. I mean, you're hitting all the big highlights, all the things that none of us have done at all. Yeah, I've never even been nominated for female vocalist. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys, when 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 we got when I got that award, I was um, I'm shell shocked, honestly, completely. And I and actually, I'm still kind of coming out of the shell shock from that. And that was in 2016. Um, But I I called Jeff. He couldn't be there with me and my husband and. And I said, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh! You know, what, what am I going to do? How this this isn't I I now got to live up to this? How just I'm just like you never know what you're going to do or how you're going to react to something like that." And so I was just shocked and and grateful, but shocked. And anyway, somewhere in there, he said, "Hey, Stuart Duncan has never been has never won Fiddler and Female <laughs> Vocalist of the Year because <laughs> I like I like." Uh, that's my benchmark. It's just sure. Duncan, you know. Yeah, that's a lot of our records. benchmarks. Yeah, he'll never, uh, he'll never uh, be able to win that award. So good for you. You've officially surpassed Stuart yeah. Duncan. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Something. <laughs> so, so did y'all ever offer me a job? I don't remember you offering me no. a job. No, I think you had gotten another job. That was uh, right around that same time. You were actually. So what was the timeline of that? You were. Uh, what time did you, you you moved to Nashville and started working for Valerie Smith? At some mm-hmm. point in between then and in uh, two thousand one, I uh, just after I graduated from college, I was working for Val. What year was the year that you were in the contest? Uh, was that ninety nine or two thousand? I think it, um, we were in ninety eight. Actually, I'm looking at the pl- I'm looking at the plaque right now. It's on my wall. It was two thousand one February. Okay, okay, there you go. So I know we had discussions. We were going to go, hey, let's, uh, we should maybe uh, talk to Becky about that. And she'd never play with us. And then we were like, See, the oh. biggest thing is we could have offered you a job, but we couldn't have paid you. Paid you. <laughs> oh, there's like, that. She yeah. might be making money. There, yeah. there is that. And then uh, I do believe that would have been right after that is when you did go to work, I think, for Valerie Smith. Is that correct? Yep. It seems mm-hmm. to my memory that that's kind of when you're working with Valerie was when I started to see you make that progression to almost a front man, uh, front woman, front woman, yeah, uh, position where uh, Valerie yeah. had to take off for a while after surgery of some sort. And you were almost, you and Casey, I think was in the band at that time. were kind of taking that lead role for a while while she was in recovery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It got weird, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it seemed like ah! I, you know, from what I know from you and Casey from the outside, I don't know this for a fact and you could, say whether this is true or not but it seems like you guys learned a lot of business while working with Valerie it seemed like there's a lot of pickup because Valerie was definitely all business she was great at promoting herself she started the record label she had a cafe radio show and it seemed like from the outside like I said it wasn't in there but you were running a lot of that stuff and you learned a lot of that you know, business acumen, which I think has paid off for you, it seems. Yes, it definitely has. And I'm really grateful to Val and Jay Gregory and everybody there, all the Heineke's and everybody there in Bell Buckle for, for that. I mean, I came in there really green and I learned a lot of lessons, some very difficult lessons and, you know, but that's okay. Um, we all and, are forced uh, to get some of those at some point. Right, of course, yeah. So I already had the PR degree going into it, um, which I feel like I just kind of backed into 
that. <laughs> I just needed to get out of school. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I had a friend that was was uh, going going into PR, and, and I thought, you know what? I've changed my major three times. I, you know, I'm just going to... I'm going to follow Robin and go with PR and, um, and Robin, gosh, she went on to become a lawyer and now she's a judge out in East Tennessee. So she's, <laughs> she's done really PR, well with it. Wow. And me, yeah, the P- I'm still the PR degrees, dithering and dawdling and writing songs and playing blue. Oh, she's never been female vocalist. So there you go. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a judge and Stuart Duncan, you're still up above both of those. So. Uh, <laughs> The Acoustic Shop Knows People is brought to you by, guess what, guys? The Acoustic Shop. The Acoustic Shop? All right. What's this? Picture this, guys. You are booked to play the reception for a famous politician's daughter's wedding. And pretty soon it dawns on you, I don't know how to play the guitar, and I don't even own a guitar. That is a pretty big dawning. Don't worry. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) We got you covered at the Acoustic Shop. All you got to do, we have a large selection of acoustic guitars from beginner to professional level. We've got all the accessories you're going to need. We've got instruction to get you started on that song for Twilight that the bride requested, of course. Of course you did. You know what I'm talking about, guys. (laughs) All right. Go to theacousticshop.com or visit us in Springfield, Missouri. We'll hook you up, and pretty soon you're going to be Team Bella all the way. Yeah. Team Bella. All the way. How long did you do uh, Valerie Smith? Was that I was in her band for 10 years. I left in the fall of 2011. And was that when you started the Becky Buller band or? No, I I didn't know. I just knew I needed a break and I didn't know exactly what was coming next. Um, had a lot of people that were angry with me or seemed like they were angry with me. I think they were just, it was me. It was yeah, just me. Yeah. No, I mean, that were <laughs> for, for, for many reasons. years, yeah, had nothing to do with that. For many years, people were telling me you need to have your own band or when are you going to have your own band? And, and in my, in my head, in, um, in my head, I, I was thinking, well, I don't have the money I don't, to, to fund something like that. I don't, I don't. I don't know that I could handle the stress of it. I've always been more comfortable taking um, a more supportive role. It's actually very hard for me to be out front and to be as outgoing as I appear as I'm an extreme introvert. So, um, you know, it's just something I'm still working on cultivating. So I find that very interesting because if I was to ever, you know, think – I've known you for a lot of the years. We've all been friends. We've all done a lot of stupid things together. And, uh, and, and when I say stupid things, we'll, we'll get into some of those, I, I'm sure. We can't say but, them in the podcast. <laughs> but um, but the fa- I just don't find you to be, I never found you to be an introvert. You were always pretty open with us. So is this something that you have hidden successfully, this idea? Or is this, I, I, you're sounding like this is something that you've been trying to work through or make yourself to act not like you're an introvert because I would have never expected that from you. (laughs) Well, I have always had debilitating stage fright my entire life. I've always um, enjoyed being on stage in a band situation as opposed to a solo situation. So actually really during COVID I have, I've been forced to do stuff on my own and I'm finally getting to where I'm a little more comfortable with it. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it, it's, it seems like I can, I can kind of relate to what you're saying. I mean, from uh, what John's saying, there's certain people that you can be around that 
you can be open and fun with that you know, but people that you don't know, I can see being introverted. I, I'm really I Jason can't Jason learn that. Way. that. Uh, I come across like I hate everyone, but you <laughs> he know does. me. I'm a he lot of fun. Does. It's at least a forty percent. I'm ratio. a whole lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Jason used to be a, a, a shoe talker. I, I, that was his. That was his thing. He, I think Becky did too. I remember Becky likes to look down when she's uncomfortable sometimes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you guys! Feet. I had to watch this this footage of me from my high school recital. Oh, it was so embarrassing. And I just wanted to go, honey, honey, look at the audience. <laughs> you know, because I was looking down like the whole time. I mean, it was the top of my head most of the time. And I kept saying, um, um, um. And um, it, was, it was so painful. But look at I, you wish, now. I wish I could go back and tell her, hey, you'll get to play the Opry someday. Yeah. <laughs> we were part of a generation of bluegrass players that just got together, and I don't think we all took ourselves all that seriously, at least most of the time. We, we knew what we wanted to do. We were all making music. We loved doing that, and it was a business. But we also were, we realized that we were young and stupid at the same time and, and you know, didn't need to be, you know, uptight all the time. Yeah. And there was, like I said, a lot of really goofy stuff. We, uh, we talked about, we did an interview with you a few yeah. years ago where we did the monotone jam. I, and we'd get I, I a, still love a, a good Chapman <laughs> monotone jam. <laughs> For those who uh, aren't aware, the monotone jam is a, uh, a series of songs that get played one after the other where you'd never change pitch uh, of the notes that you're singing. You just sing the same old bluegrass standards oh, and never change the chords. A minor, minor vamp. vamp. Yeah, yeah, over an A minor well, vamp. Well, every song you would go, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got to add an octave, octave kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, still one tone. <laughs> I love that's it. Just, and and you know what? We were, I think we were really blessed because we came up before social media was a big thing. <laughs> and I might I have been never, more embarrassed I about that. I could never that. run for president. Oh my gosh, you guys. I Just the thought of, of dating in the age of social media. I'm so grateful that I like even that I escaped that and I'm worried for my daughter. <laughs> and what's what's going to be the thing when she think, gets to that point? I think we're all worried for everybody right now. Oh, it's, a, it's more of not you know, just our, and there, our there kids. There are but, em- embarrassing YouTube videos of me out there, but, you know, for the most part, you know, we were kind of, we were just, you know, being young and stupid before that, you know, Facebook was a thing. But and I'm we kind of were bummed also, that we didn't have our cell phones so we could just film it all because that, that would have been some good stuff. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, posterity. We had some lay down. I jams. feel like we kind of took an opposite approach to that because yeah. I think we just kept using it. I mean, we really wanted to show how stupid we were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. But also, you know, we weren't we weren't on our phones all the time. We were we were picking. We were jamming. Yeah. We were. Yeah. Writing songs together. Laying, laying down in the elevators. Be, yeah. Putting couches in elevators. Good idea, mate. Enjoying our tribe. Yes. We had, and we had a heck of a tribe. There were some really great players. And, and I think we, uh, that, and have, all of them except for us, Jeremy, have become uh, major superstars. And that's, oh, uh, that's really good. We just decided to take a different road. Is that what, what yeah. road did we take, by the you're, way? You're, uh, you guys are becoming media moguls. <laughs> With this podcast and the TV show, and you got the, mm. the shop, y'all have done very well, and I'm very proud of you. 
I, I find it very interesting that we are on video so much because none of us look like we should be on any we have kind faces of faces for radio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and not even voices no radio. for radio, which is really sad. Yeah, <laughs> okay, guys. All right. Speaking of embarrassing things that I've done. So whatever happened. All right, I'm ready for it. Whatever happened to that video of me um, singing, <laughs> playing Clawhammer banjo with the horn rim glasses and... Which one? At IBMA? No. Well, that's true. Which which one? <laughs> I sang that Carpenter's tune. This must have been a Chap TV this. thing. It was a Chap TV thing, and I've never seen it anywhere, and that might be for the best. Oh, man. i got to find I'm gonna that. I'm going to have to look into the archives and find that footage. I kind of remember this. <laughs> Hi, my name is Gladys Happybutt, and I am a big fan of the Chapmans. I just think they're great. Uh, especially John, and because of his dimples, and his great singing voice, and I just wanted to sing a song for him. <clears throat> Young ago, I was so far away. I fell in love with you before the second show. John was so horrified that he like tried to put it out of his mind. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, I, 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 I revel in the crazier, the more weird it is. I actually, that's that's my favorite stuff in the whole world. Um, we'll need to find that. I know I have the footage. I'll just gonna have to find it and send it to you. We, oh, I think gosh. we. So again, for those that don't know, we uh, we were really into the kind of uh, social media stuff before it was social media, and we started at ChapTV.com where we were filming just random things all over the road. And then what we do a lot of times at these big conventions, like IBMA, we actually set up a booth well, where we would interview... A little backstory on that. Like We decided we're going to do this new thing called Chap TV, and on our website, rather than just show dates and, and some of that stuff, we're going to have footage from the road of what we did. So we had a guy here in, in Springfield build us a website, and he's a graphic artist... And he, we said, make it look like a living room with an old TV and like a grandma's and old couch living room and old wallpaper. And it turned out really cool looking. Like you click on the TV and then yeah. you can see the episodes on this old cool. TV. So we found that actually we used the TV <laughs> for the website. Uh, took a picture of this TV that we got at a pawn shop. Got the TV. We had our grandma's couch. We <laughs> we said we we're going to set up a booth. <laughs> the couch was uh, like a four seat wide. We're like, there's no way we're going to be able to fit that in the trailer. So we actually Plus hacked it had a hide a bed. We, and it was we, like yeah, we took out pounds. the hide a bed hacked it in half, and then stuck it back together so it's only two-seater. <laughs> and then we're like, what are we going to do for the wallpaper for this booth? And so we, got, we found an old printer that, you, you remember when yeah, they used to be like a... wallpaper is very expensive, yes. so we realized we're going to have to print it ourselves. We, you remember the old paper that had like the tabs on the side, but it was like one sheet of paper that you'd like drum rip printer. off a drum printer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We found one of those somewhere and printed off... I don't know how many hundreds of sheets of this <laughs> yeah. into wallpaper Four and glued to this wall. Of paper. <laughs> <laughs> and that was our IBMA booth. We set it that was. up. It looked like the website in 3D. And I think we got photos of it somewhere. But 
Then we would have guests come by and film stupid stuff. We got the Noam Pekilny interview. And I think that's where the horn, horn room Clawhammer yeah. banjo session happened. I we had that. This. We did the uh, the uh, pretzel pretzel eating contest. We the had the Darren Vincent uh, interview. The Darren Vincent interview. We had uh, one of my all time favorites is uh, when we uh, interviewed Greg Cahill. Hey, did Darren say anything or did president? he just laugh the whole he just, time? He we, did, we made two tracks. One is just a laugh track where we took all the laughs or all the conversation out of it and it was just laughing. And then we had a conversation. That and was one very of the, entertaining. one of the two videos has about fifteen to twenty thousand views, and the other has about four hundred. I'll let you guess which one. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be the laugh track. It's the laugh track. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. We had uh, we got a lot of interviews, and a lot of people had a good time uh, hanging out with us. It was absolute idiocy. It meant nothing to the world. In fact, if anything, it only dumbed down the world this, further. This is bringing back memories that I forgot about. Like me in our parents' garage, we decided we were going to do. A, almost like what we're doing right now. It was we bought, exactly. Like we bought this. an old desk, and we were going to do live broadcasts from the booth, basically doing a Tom Green. It's much more low tech than it is yes. now, but now we have we a budget. We're we're able to do a little better. But let's say also when we started the store, ago. I don't know if you remember this, but we actually moved that Chap TV set into the corner of this new store. We quickly learned that nobody cared about it and we needed to get rid of it in order to have the square footage. It was mainly sell. because we needed to fill the square yeah, footage. Yeah. The first it was so empty. <laughs> anyway, thank you for bringing us down memory's stuff. lane there. We're going to uh, go look for some welcome. more of the Becky Bowler footage. And, I love uh, yeah, it. We, Again, I, just, I really miss those days where we all just got to get together and it was... It was all about having fun and playing music and yeah, yeah. being together. And again, Becky was a big part of that. A whole team of people, Ashby Frank. Um, gosh, there was, you know, of course, uh, Beth was there. All and, the second edition uh, we guys. All, yeah. All the second weird. edition. Yeah, we just did a, a podcast with Alan Bartram, and mm-hmm. he was part of that whole uh, crew uh, in the early days, too. And it was, it was awesome. So. Uh, again, thank you for making us the people that we are today. <laughs> I know everybody who is watching this podcast right now is so proud that that's who we are now. Yeah. <laughs> so are you guys... Speaking of weirdos, are you, guys... you got Ned Lubarecki in the band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was the he was the elder statesman of our yeah, stupidity group. Yeah, yeah. You still fit in, but as an older generation... Really? Okay, so now I I didn't really get to hang out with Ned until... He he sat in with Val on one of my last shows in 2011, and that's when I really remember getting to hang out with him. So you guys were like, he was in Arkansas, right? So you guys saw him a lot. Well, see, I didn't really heard. Well, actually, when he was in Arkansas and doing his stuff, when I really met him, though, he was playing with uh, the Rarely Heard. That was when we played with him a lot. I love and ended up doing quite a bunch of shows together and. Again, somehow, even though Ned's a little bit older than us, he still somehow fit exactly well, into the same level of stupidity. So with Ned, <laughs> we, um, we, we love to like post pictures or videos of him doing stupid stuff and then putting hashtag older than Joe Mullins. <laughs> because yeah. Joe Mullins is like a couple months younger than Ned. <laughs> but Joe has acted like an old man his entire life. Yeah, we that's, we had the same we had the same discussion when he was down here. I, I, he told us how old he was, and I said, "Uh, uh-uh, no way." And, and ends up it was. Yeah, I don't think he would have fit in our group very well. He, did, well, he took <laughs> things a little more serious. Yeah. I think one of my favorite Ned stories is uh, one year at Ivy May we were hanging out with Jill at the booth when everybody's getting their name badges, and Ned is his name. He got there and his, his booth said uh, Neb N E B, 
So he went to him and said, no, no, it's supposed to be uh, a D. By the way, let's, let's straighten this out because his last name is Luberechia. They got and the Luberechia correct. Luberecki. That's, that's his <laughs> yep. So originally it was Neb, and he said, no, it's supposed to be a D. So they changed it, and it was Deb. <laughs> and he never fixed it yeah, the whole weekend. All weekend he was Deb Luberecki. Well, one, yeah. one year great... they didn't print his tag at all, and then so I think Casey Campbell printed him up one that was an 8 by 10 <laughs> <laughs> so, are you guys playing much these days? At all? Are you able uh, to with family and the, and more, the store? More than we have in the last few years. Yeah. Well, definitely, the store has taken a big part of what we're doing these days. Um, we're, you know, just we play all the time. That's what I tell people. Everybody asks if we're playing. Yes, we're playing all the time. Do I play a lot of the same things over and over? Yes. <laughs> That's pretty much about it. Um, teaching lessons and also doing all this content in here we're playing. But we are go- we just announced uh, new dates. We're going to be playing some shows here in Springfield. We're cool. going to be in Washington State this year. Nice. So we're, we may be doing some more shows again. Oh, good. Uh, so who's what, all playing very with unpracticed. you guys? It'll be the same four. It'll be my dad and uh, the three of us. So okay. we won't have. Well, we haven't talked to player. John about it yet, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it'll be three of us from the original band, <laughs> which is fine with me. I'm so lazy these days. I'm not sure I want to go out. Oh. <laughs> how, how was that for you after having a pretty big hiatus from the road with COVID, getting back out on the road and starting to hit days? Was it difficult transition from being home as much as you were? Um, so well, uh, we. Um, We've always been a weekend warrior band, um, so you know it's I we, I can't be gone a whole lot because I've got Romy and it's just hard for us. Like Jeff works a regular full time job, even though he plays bluegrass too, um, and we do have help here, but not enough for me to be gone a lot, which is fine because I you know I want to it's I, being her mom is my main gig. And sure. uh, very important to me to be here for. So anyway, to, to that end, I mean, we've kind of, things have been kind of trickling in. Um, this, this trip to England that I mentioned at the top of the, of the podcast, um, that's been the longest that I've been gone since COVID. So that was 10 days total. And so far, it seems like everybody did okay. I was worried about Romy because um, she had gotten used to being gone like I would take a week and I would go do a camp and grandma and grandpa would come down and help and um or I would send her to grandma and grandpa and then I would like I'd fly her up there and then I'd fly and do a camp and stuff so she kind of got in the rhythm of having that time with them and and then suddenly we're just all at home all together all the time and um and she's a homebody which is sweet she likes hanging with us and I just am cherishing every moment of that. So, um, good. anyway, so far so good after this first trip, but during COVID, um, I, I've always, um, had kind of like a, a melancholy disposition, you know, I guess it's part of the songwriter thing or the, the, the thing that makes me into a song, makes me be a songwriter. Um, and songwriting was my way of dealing with the world and, and all of that, but, um, and my therapy, but as the COVID stuff with the shows canceling, I had a new record coming out. I, I had no band to play it. Uh, professor Dan had already given his notice and, um, I mean, I, I had a couple shows that didn't cancel as it turned out and I ended up 
canceling all but one of those and then trying to go do a duo with Ned for one. Um, but it just really did a number on me mentally and, and like to the point that I was in a really, really bad spot, um, for a while. And fortunately, um, I have a husband who struggles with depression and anxiety and he was very helpful in getting me help. I had already been going through, um, I've been doing counseling ever since I started the band in 2015 because I had things that I just needed to deal with and work through. And I wanted to be able to, to talk out some of the stuff that was happening in the band. I wanted to be a good leader. Uh, I'm an overachiever. <laughs> so anyway, I already had that <laughs> relationship established with a, a psychologist, but it just, it, it got, it got more out of hand. But anyway, I'm on, on the upswing now. I'm in a, in a good spot and um, really have a heart for people that are struggling with depression and anxiety and well definitely it it is a real thing and I think that's a a thing that we all have to recognize and if anything I think COVID was able to kind of bring that even more to the forefront because people who didn't know that they were struggling with these kind of situations uh, were able to kind of you know they were forced to have to deal with it. And, it, you know, and, and a lot of them were able to. I think a good, a good thing that I think has happened over the last few years is there's a lot more recognition for the need for help mm-hmm. and the uh, ability that there is help out there. Uh, so, again, that is a great thing. And I'm glad, obviously, for you that there was a, there was a support team for that because it, it was tough on a lot of people, especially musicians. Mm-hmm. This is what a lot of them have done their entire lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, it's kind of twofold where it, it completely disrupted everyone's lifestyle. You're used to traveling. You're used to you, – you lose that entire income. But then there's also that part of every performer where it being on stage is part of your uh, your DNA. And your it, well-being. It's part, of, it, part of your well-being where right. that's almost your therapy is getting on stage in front of people and performing. And yeah. when that's all of a sudden t- the rug is taken out from under you, you lose the income and the, the uh, – confidence of knowing where the next paycheck is coming from and then you lose also that ability to see people meet people perform in front of them yeah. so it was it was you know a multi-form uh kind of rug being pulled out from under the, right. the performing and, and arts we're, people we're created for community you know we yeah. just are it's, well, I, and it's part of the human experience I think it also, we need it we, it also forced a lot of those people like you know I, I, we thought about this ourselves we had kind of been off the road but this is what you have built your life upon. This is who you are. This is what you thought. A lot of these players thought they were going to do their entire lives. And all of a sudden it's like, that goes into question. Wait, did I waste every bit and of even those guys that done? have a, a very st- solid gig, you know, they have, you know, you feel like, well, I've reached a good position. I have security. a good success. Uh, yeah. Lots of security mm-hmm. really. And then they realize that, and it's the you know, same thing we went through here as, as a shop, you know, there really is a moment that it all could go away Right. And you got to be careful. And, and as a band leader, uh, like you mentioned, I can only imagine being a band leader. We went through the, the same thing here. Yeah. You feel you feel a responsibility for your employees or you know your band in your case, and you got to kind of weather that and figure out mm-hmm. what's best for them and what's best to keep the business running or the band in your case. So I can only imagine the pressures there that come with being a band leader along with that. Yeah, and and just I kept saying my career's over. My career and and Ned and. Um, and fortunately, this all happened, like, for the most part, out of the public eye. 
So, I mean, I did drop off Facebook for a while in there and I did kind of, that's what we all wish we would do, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but, but, but Ned kept saying, it's hard for everybody. You just you just hit the wall a little later than some other people because I'm so stubborn and I'm you know I was hanging in there, I was trying to keep all this sure. stuff together and and uh, you know keep it looking good. And fortunately, I just I look back and I'm like, wow, God, you know, just the things that like you know we just I didn't know that the world was coming to an end in March of 2020 because I was all eat up with this. Um, I had a film crew coming. And um, um, to, they were going to dress the stage and film our entire set at South Jackson Civic Center in Tullahoma. Um, I think that was March 7th of 2020. And so I was all eat up with orchestrating that, getting the band together, just making sure everything was right. And then and Nate Lee was playing mandolin with us at the time. And he said, sure. you reckon we ought to have some hand sanitizer at the record table? And I was like, Okay, sure. I mean, he had never said that before, but I thought, well, it's cold and flu season, yeah. I hadn't been watching the news, obviously. And then the next week, I think, the the world shut down. But I was going to say, we had all that footage, and that sustained me and the band. You know, we were able to put things out. We were able to use that for our IBMA showcase that we couldn't get together to actually Good. film in person. We, you know, they let us use that footage. Um, we had the whole album in the can. The album was supposed to come out in July. We filmed, the, I filmed, we recorded the very last track. It was me and Jerry Douglas, Clawhammer banjo voice and Dobro. Um, we filmed that the day before the, or recorded that the day before the world shut down. So the whole album was in the can. It just had to be mixed. So that was fortuitous, you know, um, good. And we were able to release the record in October, but anyway, so there was a look back and I see, okay, all this, you know, there, there were things that were in place that helped me continue on. (laughs) Um, you know, so coming out of COVID, it seems like you've, Come out pretty strong. I mean, new band. Um, we should probably talk about that. Um, well, f- for the most part, uh, two new members, correct? Well, three if you include our sound then, gal, because CJ okay. left the yeah. group to become an electrician. That and again, that was that definitely right something yeah. that uh, that happened for a lot of people. Was yeah. they got real jobs? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Electricity never goes away, right? Yeah, and electricity doesn't go away. You got to take on that job. That's a good one, yeah. but. But yeah, so the, you got the new album out, correct? Everything has been released? Yeah, the album came out in t- uh, October of 2020, and it did really well for itself. It, uh, it was up for IBMA Album of the Year in 2021. It's just absolutely amazing. Excellent. Um, Good. And, and touring's uh, picking yeah, up, fe- I've, I've seen. Uh, touring's picking up. I hope I haven't taken too many things. Um, we've got pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got pretty much what we can handle through September. Um, we're, I'm working on Good. a Christmas record right now. I'm back in the studio in May to finish that up. I think it's our last tracking session for that. And um, let's see. What else? We're teaching. We're going to be at the Rocky Grass Festival, and we're teaching at the Academy. The whole band will be there. We've got... Um, of course, Ned Lubarecki is still on banjo, 
Daniel Harden is on the bass, and Wes Lee is now on mandolin. No, you don't have to have the last name Lee to play mandolin in my band. Mm. That's just how it worked out. <laughs> and just... then Jake Eddy is playing guitar. Oh, and Aubrey Shamel on the um, on our front of house, and she's actually a fantastic musician and songwriter, singer in her Very own good. right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys out on the road again. Um, hopefully you'll be making it out here. Yeah, we're coming out there. So May, the, the first weekend of May. It will be, uh, it'll at least be one monotone jam, if not two. Yes, please. And uh, <laughs> so we're going to film. Please. That's the first time that has ever been said, yes, please, to the monotone <laughs> jam, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be great. Well, Becky, it's been awesome to know you. Um, yes. Awesome to you. see your success. Like, uh, yeah. Cano. Cano. Thank you. Well, like I said, I'm proud of you guys, too, with everything you're doing. We're no female vocalist of the year, ladies and gentlemen. We never we're will not. be. Nor fiddle player of the year. <laughs> Either one is not going to happen here. Uh, but uh, we are. it is great. You have done so much things in the music business. And uh, like you said, great songwriter, use this whole podcast uh, singer, just talking about player. your songwriting ability. Yeah, and yeah we, we didn't, didn't even talk about we haven't even that. talked about that, but you are a prolific songwriter. I, I guess I'm curious. One thing did that help over COVID? The the amount of songs that you have written that have been recorded by really good artists did that lead to some kind of steady income stream, or did you see an effect on the uh, the royalty side of it with COVID? Um, no, that, that's a, that. There is a no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't did think Spotify so. I mean, I think keep that's, it all. I think that's been about the same. But um, but I. I went crazy as they were <laughs> as they were um, getting things sorted out with my head, you know. Um, I went a little <laughs> crazy, and I booked all these songwriting appointments, which was so much fun. So every day, like weekday that I wasn't teaching, I would have a, a songwriting appointment or two, um, and I and I booked myself out from September through January with that. And it was a little psycho, but it was really, really fun. And I got to write with some people I've been meaning to write with forever, like Graham from the Steep Canyon Rangers, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had to... And you were to, doing all that virtually, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Virtually via Zoom. Um, you know, and I was saying earlier, you know, we're creative for community. And the the internet has definitely helped, but you know, keep us connected during COVID and, and that's been wonderful and good, but it just is no replacement for enjoying real people in real time, in real space together. Mm -hmm. So it's just, yeah. I don't know. Actually, uh, most people have actually enjoyed the fact that they don't have to be in the same room with me actually. So, uh, (laughs) especially when you've been eating Limburger cheese. Yeah. It's nice to have a mute button on the the John track. No, no, we really do appreciate you being. Uh, when we were kind of putting a, throwing around the idea of our profiles and noses, um, <laughs> now when we we're doing the acoustic shop nose people, we decided you know who we have, want to contact I, first, and you and Alan Bartram were definitely top of the list. I've got I've got the bullet. And you have beat. a nose. Definitely have the bullet. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I don't recommend you come up to her and talk to her and call it that. I, I, I really think... We'll uh, leave that to Becky. Well, serve me right if they do. <laughs> well, if the one listener to this podcast comes up to you... <laughs> yeah, then you at least know where it came from. <laughs> anyway, thanks for doing this, Becky. Thanks yep. for talking Thank to us. Thank you, guys. Um, I think the world of you. I can't wait to, to see you, see you here in a couple weeks. Bye.
Bye-bye. And we're out. Bye. Now we just look at each other while the credits roll. Yeah. It sounds so sweet and clear. Can you sing us the Bass Pro Shop song? For all your outdoor backpacking, fishing, camping needs, go to Bass Pro. Bass Pro Shop. Bass Pro I do remember. I remember that. I came up with the granddaddy of a mall line. I don't know that line. Oh, it's the very end. Oh of man, it. I forgot that part. <laughs> Sorry. The granddaddy of yeah. them all. I'll yeah. see. Well, I guess it wasn't Somebody that should've, momentous. Somebody should have wrote it down. <laughs> I got it somewhere. It would have yeah. been a hit, but we just never got in touch with anybody at Bass Pro. Yeah, yeah we, we take, our, take calls. our calls. We have like we have a lot of great ideas that just never get off. The yeah, floor. but look at the great ideas <laughs> that that, that have come to fruition. Well, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of those? <laughs> Guys, that was a lot of fun. Becky, uh, what a blast. Becky's always fun. She can always be a, always uh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's the thing. Is she can go from like goofy, crazy Becky to a really serious conversation like we did in the podcast, but also in person. It can be like when you – sometimes I don't know. Like is she getting ready to set me up with a story that's going to be really funny or is she going <laughs> into a, a serious conversation? So you're saying it's, it's an always evolving uh, Becky. Is that what you're, what you're saying? Your toes. Yeah. She just – whatever mood strikes her, it can go really quick from really crazy to – that's pretty That's serious, right? Yeah. There. She's a well, complex individual. She is. And I was really glad that uh, we did get to talk about some of the uh, mental health issues that have come out of uh, this crazy uh, run that has taken over the world. I just I, haven't acknowledged very, mine. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to wait. I've acknowledged yours. I really have. So, uh, but, something that it's but it was serious. Everywhere, not only in the music industry, it was really strong in the music industry, but anywhere in, in life. Um, we've all struggled with it to different degrees. And... Um, COVID definitely brought it out in a lot yeah. of people. I, I was very impressed with, there's so many smart people out in the world, and right when COVID hit and they started doing the lockdowns and stuff, there was this community of mental health experts that were saying, hey, I, we know that we're worried about you know the physical health of people with the, the virus, but we also got to be prepared for yeah. the aftermath and the, the, uh, the mental strain that it's going to put on people, especially kids, just completely uprooting their lives and their, yeah. their social lives. So they, there was a lot of people prepared for what was going to come out of COVID. So it, it really thing, impressed too. me how many smart people there are out there that have kind of trained for this moment their whole lives, and we're almost there to, to prepare the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah and speaking it, of mental health, um, I got twins coming soon. Yeah, you're not going to have very There's probably some, good. some uh, assistance for that as well to prepare you. The only good thing about having twins is there's nothing left of my mental capabilities <laughs> from the, the first three, three yeah. now the, the next two. So basically... Good luck. It's all mush up there. <laughs> Is it, have you guys had any kind of birthing classes? Like, I remember we went to our first birthing class. And we had this old lady that I swear I got nothing out of that class. <laughs> Please prepare me we for had, what to expect here. And she was, uh, each class she was trying to figure out what she was going to say. <laughs> do. Good our for first you. one was pretty good. We only did it on the first child. I think that's what they normally do. Um, they prepare you. <laughs> I just figured there might and be a twin that, one. They're like, yeah, you got it. But yeah, they scared us pretty bad on the first one about falling and. All that SIDS and, and SIDS and yeah. I think the the weirder thing that I've uh, <clears throat> recently come to the conclusion, we actually pulled out we we're cleaning out the garage the other day and we found like all of the kids uh, my three kids baby books the first one lots of photos lots of things in there the second one less things 
And I'm not sure we found the third kid's uh, baby book. No. <laughs> Thank God for cell phones so we can actually keep up some pictures. Of I, yeah, maybe names. we're going to have to fill these out. Yeah, there's no pictures of me. Actually, it seemed to me the middle child was forgotten. When we, went, when we were kids, John Comiskey oh, was go. adopted. Hey, you were I adopted. didn't have any photos of me as a kid. You don't look like any of us. Come on. I was convinced you don't act like us. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> now I almost would take that as a badge of honor. Well, whatever. I own gene pool going on here. <laughs> Jeremy Dad called me. You really were adopted. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and your real father is coming through the door now. Oh, mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Anyway. Guys, it's fun. I can't, wait for our next guest. I can't wait to find out who our next guest is because yeah. we haven't called anybody. Me neither. I don't know. I have any clue, but... It's going to be a good we one. We should have thought about the title of this uh, when we said we know people. We should have thought, how many people do we actually know? No. Well, that was kind of the plan. The list Two is podcasts. really getting <laughs> short. We'll get to know more people. Next project. <laughs> anyway, guys, we'll see you next week. There you go. Bye. The Acoustic Shop knows people. Handmade by Trent Pruitt, Hinkley Hinkleston, and Jason Chapman for The Acoustic Shop. Theme song written and performed by Ofer Corin. And please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.